0: Anybody here have a difficult relationship in your life? Anybody here dread holidays because of one conversation that happens over and over and over again at every family dinner? Anybody here ever get sideways with somebody, just a little off relationally, maybe over a disagreement or a viewpoint that you see differently? The story of the Bible is not just a story of our rebellion against God. It is that. But it ends up being a story of our rebellion against one another as well. And salvation is not just for our souls, it's also for our relationships. So today, in the passage Susan just read, we see Paul telling us what salvation in broken relationships looks like. That when the scriptures talk about sanctifying us through and through, Paul gives us a description. He says, you know, in your old self, it would look like this. But in your new self in Christ, it ought to look like this. So he says, rid yourselves, this is the old nature of, anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips, do not lie to each other. Now, many of us, we read, do not lie to each other, and we think, I don't lie, I'm not a liar. But consider even spin. How often do we spin things to our benefit and allow someone else to think something is true of us that may not be? Okay, so do not lie to each other. That's the old nature. Paul says, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, forbearance, forgiveness, and love. He is saying salvation in your relationships looks like this. This is what it looks like to live out your new identity in Christ. When you look at the second list, anybody think our world needs a little of that right about now? I think many of these items in the second list could be clumped into a category, a word that we don't use too often, but we are in desperate need of in our world right now. And that word is civility. That in our conversations with one another, we would be simply civil, civility. The Institute for Civility and Government defines it this way, civility is claiming and caring for one's identity needs and beliefs without degrading someone else's in the process. Civility is about disagreeing without disrespect, seeking common ground as a starting point for dialogue about differences listening past one's preconceptions and teaching others to do the same. Civility is the hard work of staying present even with those with whom we have deep-rooted and fierce dif- disagreements. Civility is just one practical way that we live out our new identity in Jesus, that we live out a self sacrificing, benevolent, generous, agape love of God posture towards others, particularly towards others, that might be considered our enemies. Followers of Jesus are to become radically welcoming people. Because in the kingdom of God, There's no us and them. Christ came to seek and save the lost. That's all of us. Uh, Interesting how um, much our tendency is to draw lines of separation in our world today. We want to know who is in and who is out. Who is us? Who is them? Where are the lines? What side are you on? And that can really affect our relationships. In her book, Braving the Wilderness, Brene Brown uh, says that we have become good at dehumanizing one another in our dialogue around differences, dehumanizing others by belittling, name-calling, putting down. But she says, it is hard to hate people up close, so online, It's very easy to be uncivil, she says. But it's very hard to hate people up close. And she gives this example that I just want to read to you from her book. She says, consider how the political rhetoric seeks to divide us and create us-them categories and lines in the sand. She says, consider this on either side. The political rhetoric that would say, Democrats are such losers your experience? As a lifelong conservative, that sounds about right. But what about your closest friend at work? The one who drove to the hospital when you got the call that your husband had a heart attack at the gym and was being rushed to the ER? The one who sat with you in the ICU and raced to pick up your kids and take them to her house? The one who helped you plan the funeral, shouldered your workload while you were out? She's not a loser. In fact, you love her, and she's a Democrat. On the other side, consider the political rhetoric, Republicans are such selfish pigs. Your experience? You totally agree, except your son-in-law, who is a loving and wonderful husband and the most amazing father to your granddaughter. Thank God he's in the family. He's the one who sends you and your wife all the cute pictures and keeps you connected to your sweet granddaughter. He's not selfish, he's not a pig, and he's a Republican. She says, it is hard to hate people up close. Not only is that true generally, but more specifically, as followers of God in the way of Jesus, that is true because... Every single human being is made in the image of God. So when we interact with each other, particularly around differences, we are seeking to see and to call forth the imago dei, the image of God in one another. Our world would seek to have us see each other through categories, through labels, through who is in and who is out, Paul, in Colossians, was writing to a culture and to a society that was extremely divided. People were categorized in his day into different groups, and there were lines drawn, and there was in and there was out. The particular groups that he highlights in this pl- passage in Colossians are three, barbarians, Scythians and slaves. In Paul's day, those people who lived outside of the Greco-Roman world were called barbarians. The Scythians were like the barbarians of the barbarians. They were like an extreme subset. In fact, author and historian Josephus went so far as to uh, he thought of them as, as basically little better than wild beasts. That was the description he gave two Scythians, little better than wild beasts. In fact, the word Scythian became used in in the culture at that time to just mean anything uncultured. Like, that is so Scythian, so uncultured. And then there were slaves. Slaves were considered little better than property. That's how low slaves were considered. But Paul writes and he says, in Christ Jesus, these old barriers, they're destroyed. He says these old divisions, castes, labels, earthly divisions, they no longer apply because we are citizens now of a new kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, and it operates by a whole new set of values, a whole new set of virtues, a whole new set of character traits. And so the kingdoms of this earth no longer primarily define us. We're defined now primarily by the kingdom of God. And those barriers that divide human beings are to be done away with in this new community called the church. Now, I sometimes think, and I don't know if, you, I don't know if this, I, I go, man, we are living in such a divided time. I would just turn on the news, read anything online, go, whew, we are living in such a divided time. But you know what? Paul was living in an even more divided time. If we think our divisions are strong, think about the divisions of people in his day. And outside of the early church were all of these divisions. And inside of the church were people on every side of those erected barriers. Together. Paul says within the new community of the church, these cultural, ethnic, national, religious, economic, social divisions no longer are to separate people. They are irrelevant to someone's inclusion in the family of faith. Because salvation is not just for our souls. It's also for our relationships with one another. And Paul says, in Christ, these old barriers are gone. And then he says, we must daily, not like one time, must daily put on Christ, put on these new clothes, this new nature. And this was exactly what the early church was most known for. This was the stuff that made the biggest impression on the first century world. Because a slave could be a leader, in the church. A slave could come in, and because of their spiritual maturity and because of their abilities, that slave could be a leader, and people who were free would humbly and gratefully accept that person's direction. One of the stories that really captured me during a church history class in seminary was a story that happened in 202 AD In the arena of Carthage, when two women stood and walked hand-in-hand to their death for their faith, their shared faith. The two women were a woman named Perpetua and a woman named Felicity. And they said goodbye to their young children. And they walked hand-in-hand to their shared death for their shared faith. This story made such an impression on the world that it has remained with us throughout church history. Why was that such a big impression? It was because Perpetua was a wealthy Roman matron, and Felicity was a slave. And together, hand in hand, they shared faith in Christ that led them to stand together in this arena in front of all these people. And still today, this is our biggest witness to the world. Paul says we have a responsibility to put on daily Christ because these attributes that he lists, compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, forbearance, forgiveness, love, that whole list is used to describe God in other parts of scripture, is used to describe Christ. So what it looks like to be a follower of God in the way of Jesus is to put these on daily these are like the super glue of Christian community. And these are the strongest witness to a watching world. I don't know about you, but when I find myself in a conversation uh, where I don't see eye to eye with someone, where we have strong, fierce differences, I tend to find myself reloading while they're still talking. Do you know what I mean? I am working on my rebuttal before they're even done talking. I am not listening. I'm not patient. I am not curious. I'm working on what I'm gonna say next. That is not the way of Jesus. See, in those moments, I start to think, I would rather be right than connected to you. I would rather win this argument than to remain invested in this relationship. But that is not loving others as Christ has loved me. Practically speaking, in conversations, around differences, Paul gives us the way. He says, put on compassion, humility, gentleness, patience, kindness. And this is particularly true with those you disagree with. So here's some phrases I'm working on incorporating into my intense conversations. Let's say the first one together, it's so good. Tell me more. Do you know why that one's so good? Because it shows the humility of genuine curiosity. Tell me more. Tell me more. That is a conversation opener. What do you mean by And what do you mean? You know, asking, being curious. Why has this become important to you? How about this one? Rather than spin on a topic I really know nothing about just because I want to try to sound smart, prove a point, have people think I really am up on every single issue in the world today. How about this? You know, I actually don't know that much about this. That's humility. I actually don't know that much about this. Tell me what you know. Tell me why it's become important to you. I actually don't know that much about this. We could imagine Paul's words to us in Colossians like this. Every morning, you and I open our closets, and there are two outfits. One outfit is well-worn, it's comfortable, you know it. Lots of people around you are wearing it. You've worn it many, many days of your life. But there's another outfit. It's actually initially kind of uncomfortable because you haven't worn it that often. Not that many people around you, maybe, are wearing this second outfit. But what you start to notice over time is that the first art outfit, the more you wear it, the more you notice you kind of have a skin rash from it. The more you wear it, you notice that even though it's initially comfortable, it seems like it's connected to other ailments in your life, including a feeling of isolation and disconnection from people. The second outfit, though it's kind of uncomfortable at first because you're not used to it, you realize that when you wear this, your skin rash begins to clear up, that some other ailments in your body begin to go away. And most importantly, you begin to see that this new outfit forms opportunities for connection with people. And rather than the isolated, disconnected, way of life you've been used to, you begin to see that real intimacy is actually possible. That is what Paul is saying in Colossians. There are these two outfits, the old way, the new way in Christ, and he says as followers of Jesus, put on these new clothes every day. Jesus invites us into a radical, countercultural way of living. When we find ourselves in difficult relationships, it's easy to just get angry, to just get irritated. But I think if we could pause in that moment, just time out, and peel back the layers of that intensity, peel back the layers of anger, irritation, Do you know what I think we'd find in ourselves and in others? Pain. Because our souls so desperately long to be connected to one another. And when connection is broken, when connection is severed, when connection is threatened and lost, we experience pain. It hurts. But rather than vulnerably admit, the pain of disconnection, we attack, we dehumanize, we label, we put down. We focus on anger and rage and malice, the first part of Paul's list. So, the radical, countercultural, not comfortable, not difficult, it feels like new clothes that I haven't worn, way to move towards one another is with gentleness, compassion kindness, forbearance, forgiveness. Jesus would lay down his life for his enemies. And he invites me to follow him. He invites us to do the same. In November 2015, Antoine Leary's wife, was killed by terrorists in the Paris theater shootings. She and 88 other people were brutally murdered. And two days after the attacks, her husband wrote an open letter that he posted online to his wife's killers. And this is what he wrote. He said, on Friday night, you stole the life of an exceptional being, the love of my life, The mother of my son and then he said this but you will not have my hate I don't know who you are and I don't want to know you are dead souls if that God for whom you blindly kill made us in his image every bullet in my wife's body will have been a wound in his heart so no I will not give you the satisfaction of hating you that is what you want But to respond to your hate with anger would be to yield to the same ignorance that made you what you are. You want me to be scared, to see my fellow citizens through suspicious eyes, to sacrifice my freedom for security. And then he says this, you have failed. I will not change. He continues, there are only two of us now my son, and myself. But we are stronger than all the armies of the world. Anyway, I don't have more time to waste on you, as I must go see Melville, who is waking up from his nap. He is only 17 months old. He will eat his snack as he does every day. Then we will play as we do every day. And all his life, this little boy will defy you by being happy and free because you will not have his hate either. Paul says, rid yourselves of all anger, malice, rage. Clothe yourselves with forgiveness, gentleness, patience, Love. What we are talking about is not hard, it's impossible. Apart from God, it is not possible. But when I experience the compassion of Christ towards me, I'm transformed to be able to offer compassion towards others, even those who hurt me, even towards my enemies. When I experience the gentleness of God towards me, I am able to extend gentleness to others. Jesus said, those who have been forgiven little, they love little. They don't know what that's about. But those who have been forgiven much, they love much because it becomes this wellspring of mercy and grace and compassion in their lives. In the closing scene of the movie Moana, we see a character who is transformed by love. And if you have not seen the movie, Moana is a character who throughout the movie comes to understand her true identity and then her true mission in the world. And her particular mission is to restore a green, glowing heart, the heart of Tafiti. She is to restore, to return that heart. And throughout the movie, there's a struggle with her identity and clarity about her mission, but by the end of the movie, she knows who she is, she knows what she has to do. And what she does reminds me of Jesus so much that you guys, I'm not joking. I think I cried the first five times I saw this clip. My kids are obsessed with this movie, and I've seen it several times, and it is such a picture of Christ to me. So I want to show it to you, and I want you to watch Moana as she moves towards this fierce, angry, raging lava lady. That's Te Fiti, the lava lady to return the heart, and I want you to watch her, and as you do, I want you to think about those people in your life who are difficult for you, think about the fierce, raging, lava lady-feeling people in your lives, and then we're going to talk about it. Let's take a look. Kaviti, it's gone. go. Got to take He got to take one now, one here! He's to run me yet. to Let her come to me. I have crossed the horizon to find you. not defined. Compassion is about seeing beyond the lava lady and seeing that the heart has been stolen from inside your fiercest enemy and that from God's perspective, this is not fully who they are. And having the security of identity and the clarity of mission to walk towards people and call it forth. Because the world is going to say, left and right, withdraw from the hard people. Isolate from the hard people. Dismiss the hard people. Or, on the other hand, the world is going to say, attack the hard people in your life. Dehumanize, label, create us them categories. But as followers of God in the way of Jesus, we're like Moana, we're like Jesus, who one foot in front of the other walks towards the pain and the brokenness in our world, walks towards the fiery lava holding the hand of the one who has defeated a far greater foe than anything we are facing. And sometimes when we do that, we get to see God do what only God can do in redeeming and restoring all that is broken. We only do that because it's been done to us. We only get to see that happen because it's first happened in us but when we do we get to be a part of the miracle of lava turning into a green lush jungle we get to be a part of seeing the kingdom of god come here on earth as it is in heaven let's pray together as we close god as your chosen people holy and dearly loved we clothe ourselves again today with compassion Kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. We bear with each other. And God, we might have to do it a million times over, but we forgive. We forgive whatever grievances we have against one another. We forgive as we have been forgiven. And over all our conversations, and over all our online posting, and over all of our writing, and leading, and talking, over all of our relationships, we put on love. Which binds us together in perfect unity. Oh God, may the peace of Christ rule in our hearts. May the word of Christ dwell richly in our lives. May the courage of Jesus who walked into the fire of hell be our courage today and every day as we move towards the difficult people in our lives. God, you've returned our hearts to us. May we hold your hand and be those who would return your heart to others. We pray this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Everybody who agreed said, Amen. Amen. Thank you, Susie.